Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode. Today we are going to talk about untranslatable world and your well-being. Sometimes things got lost in translations. If you've seen the beautiful 2003 Epinemos movie, you know how powerful culture shock can be. It's one of my favorite films, which is why my colleague when I was an intern at Google, lifted me about here to spend an evening at the park Hyoto Tokyo Cocktail Bar, admire the view and walk in hue of Bill Murray and Scarlett Johnson. I remember sipping a drink and thinking about how hard and beautiful it was to try to communicate with someone from different cultures. Untranslatable world captured the essence of that challenge in a way that revealed conflict arising from necessary approximation when a word simply has no dialect translation in your native language. I recently stumbled upon a research paper by Dr. Tim Lomas from the School of Psychology at the University of East London, which explores how we can enrich our emotional landscape through untranslatable words related to well-being. It's a fascinating essay covering more than 200 such terms, expanding our view of well-being. Researchers have maybe rightly so accused the field of positive psychology to be too focused on the Western world and its particular culture. Most studies in positive psychology have been conducted in the Western world which would explain the inherent bias in the current state of research. While efforts have been made to address these critics, the difference in vocabulary makes it difficult to simply transpose mental well-being concepts from a culture to another. This is why studying untranslatable world is so important. In his paper, Dr. Tim Loma describes untranslatability as the notion that such words identify phenomena that have only been recognized by specific cultures. The most famous example being perhaps Schadenfreude, a German word describing pressure at the misfortune of others. While the meaning can be conveyed through a sentence, only the culture deemed the concept important enough to create a dedicated word. By limiting yourself to the vocabulary of your native language, you close yourself from concepts that may perfectly capture a state of mind, a mental health challenge, or an emotion. Naming concepts is the first step in being able to identify them, discuss them, and understand them. From a human perspective, things we saw a name don't exist. For instance, let's look at Firmware. Another German word, meaning feeling homesick for a place you've never been to, or mono no aware, a Japanese word which describes the awareness of impermanence, the gentle, almost bitter sweet, sadness about the reality of life. What can this word teach us about it mean to be human? Exploring new words through new words. 
concepts are so universal, you would expect everyone to be pretty much aligned when it comes to naming them. But it turns out, many cultures have a different perception of some essential life concepts just because of the vocabulary they use. Let's have a look at three fairly important ones. Time, happiness, and color. Time being brought up in Western culture, we tend to divide time between past, present, and future. This seems as natural to us as the sun rising from the east and setting in the west. For example, the English verb work can be changed to worked for past action and working for current actions. But many cultures have a different perception of time, and this can be seen in the vocabulary they use to describe it. For instance, Mandarin Chinese does not have any verb conjunctions. The verb to work can be used for the past, present, and future. Instead, Mandarin Chinese use a collection of untranslatable words, particles which mean an action that occurred in the past and has been completed, or an action that has started and is continuing in the present moment. Some other languages have many more tenses beyond past, present, and future. The Imas language, for instance, has three different present tenses that distinguish different levels of compression. You may think the perception of time due to language difference is not that important, but it matters a lot. For example, research has found that cultures with languages that do not strongly connect present and future in the vocabulary tend to be more reckless with money. Happiness. Money culture do not have a word for hedonism, which claim that happiness is the most important thing in life, and that people should pursue as much happiness and as little pain as possible. In Hinduism, happiness is not the main goal to pursue as human beings. Instead, we should be acting accord with Dharma, the all-encompassing principle that governs the universe, society, and individual life, which is why you would want to avoid disturbing plants and animals as much as possible. Another untranslatable word related to happiness is the Japanese term Ikigai, which can be roughly translated to reason for being. It is such a complete term that non-Japanese people often use a Venn diagram to attempt to capture its essence, with a different word for what happiness is really about. Cultures have different goals and attach meaning to different aspects of their life. Color. How do you describe the color red to someone who has never seen it? How do you capture its essence with words? What if you could not use the word red at all? This may be what some people learning English as a second language may feel. For example, there is no single word for the English blue in Russian. Instead, Sini is used to describe what English is known as dark blue, while Goluboy is used for lighter blue. The interesting part? Studies found that Russian speakers were better at distinguishing be between these two shades than English speakers, who only had one word for both of them. 
Russian people literally see this shade as two different colors, while for English people, it's just blue. Let's play a little game so you understand what I'm talking about. Look at the image below. Answer which square has a color different from the other three square? Green, blue, green, green. Except if you suffer from color blindness, this should be fairly easy. Most people will be able to identify the second square, the blue one, as different from the green one. Now look at the following image and do the same. Which square is different color? Green, 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 green. Not so easy. Turn out people from the Himalaya in Namibia will struggle to find the old square in the first image, but will find it pretty easy in the second one. It's because they only have one word for blue and that particular shade of green. To them, they the same color, but they have several words for different shades of green. In this case, Two shades of green that look exactly the same to most of us. Buru, Dambu, e Juru. In fact, scientists generally agree that humans began to see blue as a color when they started making blue pigments, and many ancient cultures had no name for it. For example, in the Odyssey, Homer makes hundreds of references to white and black, but never mentioned the color blue. He instead used describing like a wine dark to describe blue elements such as the sea. Related to color, I find it fascinating how we lack vocabulary in English to describe sound. As Dr. Stefan Pigeon explained, light frequencies, the colors, are some of the very first things that your baby will learn. One of the first baby books they will receive as a present will be the one with those colorful figurines with the name of the colors printed in bold letter, blue, red, green. As they grow up, they will learn a myriad of color names and will be able to distinguish them very precisely. This is not blue exactly, but turquoise or cyan or indigo later. When they look at the color again, they will find the word to describe it precisely and will be able to picture it in word to a friend. Know which sound, the vocabulary doesn't exist yet, something that has not word associated with has no chance of existing culturally. Sound colors are not in our vocabulary and therefore are not in our mind. Such a vocabulary remains to be invented and taught to our children. Why untranslatable word matter to you well-being? As Dr. Stefan Bidjong said above, something that has no word associated with has no chance of existing culturally. And it is also true of our minds, our psyche, our emotions. Better identify your emotions. Human emotions are complex. Sometimes the hardest part is to not being able to understand exactly how we feel. Is it just sadness or something more complex, such as sodat, a Portuguese word describing the melancholic longing for a person, place, or thing that may not even exist? Are we just stressed or experiencing 
called shoes panic, a German term for that fear that time is running out on achieving one life's goal. Better communicate your thoughts. We can be named, can be expressed. When trying to communicate your thought and translatable words accompanied with the definition in your own language can be useful tool to add to your communication toolkit. Whether in a presentation or in an email, one word in another language might express what you would usually need a few paragraphs to explain. Experience the beauty of other cultures. Research suggests that open-mindedness has a positive impact on cognition, decision-making, and general well-being. And what better way to become more open-minded than study the strange vocabulary of foreign culture? To really try to understand what they mean by them, you can see untranslatable words as windows into thoughts and emotions of people from different cultures. With all that in mind, here is a short list of untranslatable words you can use to better identify your emotions, better communicate your thoughts, and better experience the beauty in other cultures. 10 untranslatable words to increase your well-being. The list focuses specifically on words that are linked to thought and emotion that you may experience in your lifetime and may impact your mental well-being. Ubuntu, literally translated as humanity towards others, a Zulu word for being kind to others because of the universal bond that connects all humanity. Han, a Korean term expressing sadness and regret, yet also quite a sense of patience hoping for the adversity causing the sorrow to eventually to be righted. Albert's grandeur, which translates in Danish to happiness at work or workplace happiness, it's a feeling of happiness you get from doing a meaningful, satisfying job. Saudade, a Portuguese word describing the melancholic longing for a person, place, or thing that may not even exist. Panic, a German term for the fear that time is running out on achieving one's life's goal, which I have described before as time anxiety. Aware, a Japanese word for the beaten wetness of a brief and fading moment of transcendent beauty. The term monono awa, literally the pathos of things, can also be translated as a sensitivity to ephemera. Ilunga, term from the Lubakasa language, which describes a person who is ready to forgive abuse for the first time, to tolerate it a second time, but never a third time. So Wong, in Korean, is the Lu dance to let go of a illusion. Ikigai, a reason for being in Japanese. The source of value in one's life or the things that make one's life worthwhile. Wei Wu Wei, literally translated in Chinese to action without actions, the deliberate decision to do nothing for a reason. Untranslatable words are extremely powerful to better understand yourself and others.